My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. I don't realize I have so much of a cold until I hear myself on this mic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sounding, I'm sounding a little... We both have it. <laughs> yeah. Trying to keep it from the children and, um, and from our guests. <laughs> the person who just spoke is Patrick Francis, and Pat is uh, producing this episode. Thank you so much, Pat. you Appreciate welcome. it. And we have... Have a fabulous guest here, Heather Overton. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Heather Overton is currently a manager of original programming at Crown Media Family Networks, which is home of the Hallmark Channel and Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. She helps a very busy programming team as they prepare to make 90 movies this year. A 90 movies. Um, Heather, Heather, how did you get into this line of work? Well, I think I, I like to say I took a really long road to get here. Um, and it, it, for all the things that I like to do, it felt like this is probably a pretty natural fit that I didn't see until much later. But um, I wanted to, um, initially, I wanted to be an actress. And so I grew up in a small town in Texas and did community theater and did high school theater and had big dreams to move to New York. And um, I did. And I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and I think pretty much the first day of school, I was like, oh, this is a mistake. Um, <laughs> but I'd paid the $10,000 to go. So I finished out the year and loved New York and fell in love with the city and theater and kind of made my way around. I worked a little bit with Labyrinth Theater, um, which was not what it is now. I'm very successful now. And then um, decided I was going to just get a, a literature degree. And I picked British literature, which sounded really smart and um, <laughs> wasn't thinking about making a lot of money, obviously. Um, and so then I started working in talent agencies and um, I interned and um, interned in casting and then took a job. Um, I worked at Henderson Hogan in college and then got a job after I graduated at Stone Manors, um, now Stone Manors Sounders, which I loved. Um, and then I just, I ultimately realized I wasn't cut out to be an agent um, because I really don't have that killer instinct. Um, but I loved, I, one of the things I loved is reading scripts and working with actors. And so I'd been in New York for a while and my love affair with the city kind of faded. And I said, you know what, my sister was out here. And so I said, I'm going to move to L.A., even though I said I'd never live in L.A. or drive. <laughs> so never say never. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, um, so never say never. So I came out here and it was a tough... Um, a tough uh, journey with like starting over and it was 2009 so there weren't the the job market was a little tough so I did a bunch I worked for commercial directors and um, lots of odd jobs and so then I um, started working at a social media agency um, and we did a lot of entertainment uh, related projects but it still wasn't um, I'd always loved storytelling and all my friends were writers and I was always reading scripts and thank you um, and uh and really just loved that world. And so um, I kept, you know, kept trying to find the right fit. And I didn't want to go back to the agency world. Um, and then I got a job at NBC. Um, and I was working in 
um, the media and digital departments. And once again, I was like, this is my job. My job was becoming marketing stories and not working with writers and not working with people to tell their stories. So um, an opportunity to Hallmark opened up and um, I've been there. Um, I sort of worked my way up and now I'm a manager in programming. Um, yeah. And so I found a place where I get to work with writers and work with a lot of writers on a lot of stories. So, What, uh, what kind of work do you do with them? Do you um, develop the script from... I mean, do you find the script? Do you develop the script? Um, ex ex explain your job, Heather <laughs> well, Overton. We have a... Um, you know, it's, it comes in various stages. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a lot of relationship with producers that we've worked with for a while, and so they bring in material. Um, you know, if there's actors that have ideas that, you know, that we want to, you know, we'll work with them because we have a, you know, a very... Um, a very strong, you know, stable of talent that we've been working with for years um, that, you know, viewers tune in for um, specifically at Christmas. Um, but a lot of times, like, we'll take, we'll take a pitch, um, you know, we'll take just an idea, a few sentences, and we'll work with the writers to craft that. And, but one of our jobs is, um, on the programming team, is to start from all the way from the outliner idea to the end, to post-production, and then we work in um, with the publicity team. So it's really all the way through. So we're watching daily, we're approving wardrobe. It's really hand. We're very hands-on. Probably, <laughs> probably too hands-on. I'm sure with some of our producers, but I like the approving wardrobe part. No. <laughs> okay. I want to be there for that. Now I have a question, Pilar, because you said 90 movies. Yeah. So then, how long? Those won't all air in one year. They'll those will be spread out over how long? Right. So I mean, we have. Um, you know, we have so many things in development. So, I mean, I probably have just myself between 20 and 30 projects that are in various stages of development. Um, so we're working on things for, you know, 2018, 2019. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's certain projects that, you know, we work with, like, because we do work with Hallmark Cards, so we're working on those. Um, so, yeah, cool. so, you know, there's, I think there's now 14 or 15 of us um, that are, you know, actively working on developing these. So okay, so let's let's back up a little bit and talk a little bit about what the Hallmark Channel and Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. What what are what's the difference between those two? Right. Well, you know, I think uh, um, most people when they think of Hallmark, they just think of you know romantic comedies, the light, the fun, um, and that's the Hallmark Channel. So um, we have another channel, it's Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, and. Initially, we used to just air more dramatic movies on that, the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, but in the last year, we've been developing these franchises, um, and we have one that stars Candace Cameron Bure, which is the Aurora Tea Garden Mystery. Um, we have one with Lori Loughlin, which is the Garage Sale Mystery, and there's, I think, seven or eight movies that have been made already that have, that have aired, and then we had a new one that just aired um, this past January. It's with starring Jewel, the Fixer Upper Mysteries, um, and these are all... Um, the Aurora Tea Garden was based on a Charlene Harris book series, um, so, um, that's, we're really growing those franchises. Um, and we've seen, um, one of the things that they talk about for the, for Hallmark movies and mysteries is it's like Nancy Drew for adult women. Oh, that's a good way to uh, um, describe it. Definitely. So it's, you know, and it's not, I mean, we don't really love the term. I mean, I know it's a very popular term and, uh, there's a cozy mystery, but I think it's, you know, we, one of the, we're now airing Monk on Hallmark movies and mysteries. And I think we've seen, um, a, a huge um, ratings increase with that um, because I think it's people want people love mysteries, but I think you don't necessarily need the like the gore of Criminal Minds or like you know some of the some of the episodics that you get. So it's more of a you can get your mystery without the gore and and get, taking the gore away sort of allows for a certain amount of creativity. With well, we've got to find clues that aren't just bodies or body right. parts, or, right? Yeah, or blood. 
Right. Right. Um, now you you you're running um, Monk right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it does well enough, do you, do you guys talk about, wonder if we could maybe reboot Monk? I mean, I'm sure that would be a huge, yeah, I'm sure everybody would love that. I, think, I don't know if that's in the budget. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we haven't, for Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, we, we haven't, they haven't talked about series. I think that okay. might be something down the road. Um, in addition to the 90 movies, I should say on Hallmark Channel, we have um, three original series, which is One Calls the Heart, um, the Good Witch, which is Catherine Bell and James Denton, and then Chesapeake Shores, which has been our highest rated. So that's starting its second season in August. We're filming now. Um, and so I don't actually work on the series, but those are, and that has a great cast. It has Treat Williams, Megan Ori, Jesse Metcalf. So, um, yeah, so really good talent for Treat our Treat Williams. Williams that's You're a fanboy for Treat Williams. We, we just saw Hair uh, two weeks ago on the big screen, and I just kept wondering. Where's Treat Williams? I mean, why is he on the Hallmark Channel? He's on you the gotta Hallmark come Channel. Over. There he is. <laughs> That's right. But I don't think he's naked and dancing on tables. Definitely, on, uh, definitely not on, on Hallmark. I never said that I liked naked Tree Williams. I just said I liked Tree Williams. <laughs> oh wait, that must have been me. <laughs> that must have been you. Okay. Um, uh, actually, let's let's talk about the Hallmark Channel now. You said it's lighter, but um, when when we think about Hallmark, we think about holidays and cars. How much of that is a is, is the directive of, of the, the company as far as meeting certain holidays or things well, like that? Well, I mean, Christmas is really our bread and butter. And I mean, we're doing 33 Christmas movies out of the 90. So we program, we do Christmas movies for Hallmark Channel and Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. So we have a countdown to Christmas um, that starts right after Halloween. Um, and then we air Christmas original movies um, throughout until Christmas. Um, and we also do that on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. So, I mean, people tune into our Christmas movies. It's... I think the ratings, you know, you see the the decrease in cable ratings, uh, you know, as streaming services take over. But I think our ratings last year were, it, we didn't see a decrease, like our wow, Christmas ratings. Um, and I think also too, like you think about the political landscape, like people want that comfort. And I think for a lot of our other, um, our other programming, we've seen that. Um, we also, but we're also looking like, obviously we're doing 90 movies, so it's not just Christmas, um, but we're doing um, stunt franchising. So we're looking at the calendar and saying like what, you know, people love holidays. Like what are the other things? Like, so we have Valentine's day and we're doing a June wedding stunt. So it's like what holidays like bring families together. You can do romance. So we're doing a summer nights stunt. So it's movies that like evoke that like fun summer vacation. So we're really looking, you know, we do a fall fest, winter fest. So it's just finding movies that fit, you know, and then it helps with the programming for, you know, when you're programming 90 movies a year where you put them. And now when it comes to things like um, Mother's Day and Father's Day, are those also considered holidays that you focus on or I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. You know, that's like a quick, we haven't, um, we had some Mother's Day movies, I think a couple years ago, they didn't rate as well. I think it's finding, it's finding the right story mm-hmm. with anything. And I think, I mean, we also don't do Halloween movies, um, because you know, we, these movies are sold internationally and that's not something, you know, that's celebrated outside of here. So, right. um, we have, I think there's talk about Mother's Day and Father, Father's Day. I, it's not really part of the franchise development right now. So, and, um, and uh, what, um, is there a structure with Hallmark movies? 
Um, we, we just had um, an episode where we had two writers on who have written for recently for Lifetime movies. I just listened to that. <laughs> so um, I believe they were talking, I think, about an eight-act structure. We do nine acts. Nine acts. Mm-hmm. And so so how many minutes does that come out to? I'm bad with math. Um, it depends. I mean, it's usually like, I, it's between like five to six. I mm-hmm. think it, it all just sort of depends on, I mean, it's hard finding those organic breaks Um, And I think that's also hard, even for people that are, you know, seasoned writers that are coming in and like breaking up that act act structure. And I think I was listening to the Lifetime podcast and I think when you're thinking about, you know, act outs, which is how we, you know, try to think of our act breaks with, you know, Lifetime, it's like, oh my God, someone was kidnapped, someone was killed, someone's, you know, it's, it's a lot easier sometimes to find that as opposed to like always, you know, a lot of times it becomes the emotional act out. So finding those places, um, that becomes a challenge. So it doesn't, and I think, uh, was it Melissa that was on it said it's, so it doesn't feel like the same, the same act out for every, you know, every commercial break. Do you, do you find that, um, when you're developing the material, often the early drafts make certain mistakes when it comes to, to out, uh, act outs? Um, I think, I mean, they're all just usually pretty soft. So I think that's like, how do we, you know, how do we build these up? Um, I think as far as like first drafts from a Hallmark standpoint, like it's such a specific, what we're looking for is so specific. So, and because it's for families, you know, you're like, we approach it from like, can you watch it with your mom, your your grandmother and your, you know, eight year old cousin? Um, You have to find that balance. And I think, you know, people come in and the perception sometimes is like, oh, it's really campy, you know, like we're going to be like over the top with, you know, like zany humor. Um, so we think sometimes it's like, fu- like more so with new, with new writers, just, or even writers. I mean, we see this with like, like, I mean, writers that I've worked with that have, you know, taken on this where they just, it's finding that, you know, they think it's regular storytelling and it's like, no, it's Hallmark. So it's just, yeah, finding that balance. So you, you mentioned like some people think it's zany. What else is what else isn't Hallmark? Um, you know, s- sometimes people have a cliche point of view about, about Hallmark. What isn't it? Well, I think, you know, when you're approaching 90 movies, you're just like, oh, it's just a cookie cutter thing, which, I'm, I mean, I can see how some people might take it that way. But I think when, when I'm looking at new ideas or new stories, it's like, what's a little bit different? Like, we've seen the, um, like, I was like, please don't make her a marketing executive or an advertising executive. <laughs> um, because it's, you know, we've just seen that. Like, what's a different world that you can set right. them in? Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's very easy to make the female, like, because, you know, in, in our movies, the A story is the love story and, uh, is the A story and the B story is like her career. And normally like, I like think working, um, uh, working girl is a great example, um, of what a normal, like it's the A story is her career and the B story is the love story. But we, you know, we switch that. So, but I also think like, how do you approach that story and not make it seem like it's that, her finding love is the most important thing. And, you know, I was joking, like, it's like, it doesn't need to be a boyfriend for Christmas, right? Like, that's what a lot of them that come in, you know, that are. And it's like, let's, I had a a notes call with a writer a few weeks ago and he, um, there wasn't a clear motivation for what the character wanted, like what, and what her job was. And it was something like she worked in digital or something vague. And I said, well, what does, what does she want? Like, what is she going to do? What's her, what's she pursuing? And he goes, oh, it doesn't matter um, because her boyfriend's rich. So he's going to take care of her. So she's not worried about it. Oh God. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So um, there were crickets on the phone Uh and the three women on the call. (laughs) So let me explain. (laughs) But, but I think you also mentioned, you know, when we talk about marketing executive and stuff like that, that's also a certain economic class. Um, right. And it's a, it's something 
thing. I mean, I'm I'm not looking to solve the world's problems right with this podcast, right. but it's actually something that um, I look at with writing the female-driven s- screenplay, which is something that I'm teaching on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I started adding to this the jobs that we always see right. women on screen because I think because we're scared to not empower women, sometimes women on screen aren't actually in jobs that like the people watching them are in, you know, like why not make them blue collar, you know, why, you know, why can't they be a clerk or right or a a teacher or you know i mean i think for ours a lot of it is wish fulfillment you know Uh, so it's aspirational but i mean one of the things is i was working on something and we were trying to figure out what job that the lead character had and the writer said oh what about a doctor and i was thinking i don't remember the last time we made a lead character a doctor which how many you know it's just it's such a great you know it just seems like a no-brainer and so it's it really is like she's you know a florist she's you know, it's, so I think just finding that, that, you know, finding, giving, making women's jobs more important and not making the love story so important. I think that's a common mistake. And it's so funny too, because, um, you know, just one little change changes story. Right. right? Um, but then the other thing we ran into with this one is that, you know, if she's choosing this romance, like we don't want to make the romance not important enough, but we don't want her sacrificing her career. So it's like, you know. So you're walking a, f- a fine tightrope to get all these things just yeah. perfect and equal. And like in, in the old days, it would be like, I don't need that job. I just need you. Right. And so that, yeah. that, that definitely <laughs> changes things. I, I have a question about, um, you, you said you do a nine act structure. Are, these, are, are all these movies a two hour block of time? Uh, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's 84 minutes, 84 minutes, mm-hmm. but I mean, with commercials, are you filling up two hours on the Hallmark network? Uh, I don't think it's two, not two, nope. not no. a two full. Okay, yeah. cool. And, and going to the movies and mysteries now as a writer yourself, you probably are learning a lot about how to, I mean, you know, how to, how to move story with movies, with having an act out with movies and mysteries you have to have a different clue you have to have pivots and reversals and and MacGuffins and all that stuff I would imagine right yeah I think that's you know I think that's also been a challenge is just like you said steak not having the 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 you know the bloody knife or the dead body or you know I mean we have a dead body but it's like you know it's a very very just a person lying there (laughs) (laughs) or like just a little bit of blood (laughs) on their temple so yeah I think that's um you know, I think we're we're getting some new mystery writers. I think they've done a really great job in staying in that, like in keeping it still family friendly. But it, I think, you know, when you look at the clue pages, I think that's what Monk did so well is, you know, how does it not feel the same every time? Yeah. So, but we also in our mysteries and these wheels, there is a love story. So I think one of the things is usually when you think about some of the other, like other mysteries or episodics, like a lot of, and our mystery leads aren't generally cops. So it's, you know, she is a librarian, she fixes houses. So, and then there's a romance. So you have the added challenge of how do we make a mystery, a smart mystery, and then how do we incorporate a love story? Because you don't want to be like, oh, there's a dead body, I love you, you know, because, and that's a tonal <laughs> thing that we've, you know, that we've struggled with where it's like, you know, if it's someone that they knew, which is usually how, like, your entry into the story is that's how the person gets, invo- gets involved because they want to solve their friend's or neighbor's murder and they happen, whatever skill, whatever job they have makes them good at finding these clues. I like that you're telling our listeners that you, that you, it's not a cookie cutter. It's not a certain thing every single time because I think maybe a lot of people 
you know, they see the billboards or whatever, or the ads, right. and they think, oh, I've seen that before. But you're telling me that you guys are actively being inventive and really working to not make them be like that, which I think is cool. Yeah, I mean, actually, we had a writer that came in, and he was like, I know what you guys do. I know. Uh, and then he turned his, the worst. I know. And then he turned his outline, and I was like, you don't. <laughs> so, you know, it's just one of those things where... Um, yeah, when you really get in and start looking mm-hmm. at the nuts and bolts. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that really, you know, it, it is a form, you know, there is a formula to it. And that's why people come to the Hallmark Channel. But we want to bring something different to it when we can. Yeah, that's what great. Are, what are the deadlines? If you're working on 90 movies a year, what's the turnover for a writer? Um, I'm trying to think about the most recent one that I have going to production. It's going into production on the 12th. Um, she probably started with a beat sheet in, I want to say February, okay, maybe late February. And, and so she's doing a polish. I think she's pretty much done now. So, and it, it's May. Yeah. Okay. February, March, April, May. Okay. People. All right. So we're talking about a beat sheet. Then how many drafts are they required to, to turn into you? Um, I mean, obviously it depends on, you know, whatever the guild, um, if it's a WGA writer, but, um, usually I think it's, a draft and then a rewrite and then a polish. So mm-hmm. that's what's covered. And then if, you know, I mean, a lot of times we'll have to, you know, like they'll have to pay for another draft because um, it's hard, sometimes hard to get it in two, in two drafts. Mm-hmm. And how many beats do you require on your, on your beat sheet? We have different answers for every single guest who's on there. Um, personally, like I, I mean, we've gotten 26 page outlines, mm-hmm. um, which I don't like. And I understand for some writers, like I think if, if you're a writer that says, once I have this 26-page outline, I'm good to go. But I, I've seen that it's just a lot more work. And when you're reading as much as we have to read, I think if I can just get a like seven to eight-page beat sheet and I know the points and I know the story because you know then people like start describing the curtains and the sofa and you know it just becomes so much detail that you really kind of miss the story. So um, one of the best ones that I've seen in... in um, recent months was a seven to eight page one and it really and then there you know she was new to us and so we went back through it and then she just reworked those beats and so then we knew the exact story and when the out when the first draft came in we really didn't have a lot of notes besides like just some christmas things and you know hallmark specifics so how much story did a beat encapsulate in that particular good example would you say um, a certain amount of pages a certain amount of minutes or just sort of a... I mean, she broke new, it up in the nine-act structure. Got so it. Each, yeah, so I mean, it was basically like pretty much, I guess it was like a page, a page, an act. Great, so. great, which makes sense, right? Right. So, so for people who are looking toward um, writing something in the vein of Hallmark and maybe just see it as a good story structure for them to use, then a page per act, right? right? Mm-hmm. With your act out being emotional, Right. But if it's also a mystery, also being, I would imagine, some kind of key clue or key turn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, like the act out is like the girlfriend comes back or, you know, he breaks, you know, he breaks up with her because he doesn't want to get in the way of her dreams. Like, you know, those are the other types of bigger act outs we'd have. Do you have any tips about integrating subplot since you are talking about these two things often happening at the same time in terms of career and love or mystery and love? Um, have you noticed a place, let's say, for example, where the subplot starts to generate and where it heightens? Um, I think, I mean, one of the things that I like, we don't always do this in some of ours, but I like when we see more of the male perspective where, you know, he is a friend or a colleague or someone that knows them. And we sort of see that because it is, I mean, it is the, the, the woman's story, but I sort of like when we get that back and forth of 
Like, why does, why is he concerned about this relationship? So yeah, I mean, I don't think we ever want it to take away from the story, but, um, but yeah. So, so, so if you start to see his stakes in this, would that be ramping up? Let's say for a second, third, like acts four, five, and six, something like that. We'd start to see more of that. We usually do seven, um, is sort of the low point of it. Mm -hmm. Um, or seven. Yeah. Because one of the things we found, um, particularly with the mysteries is that in a lot of them, you know, it's the resolve comes in eight, right? Like they, we know who did it. The killer's caught. And then in the, you know, in ratings, obviously we still are, are tied to ratings. Um, you see the drop off. Oh, I know who did it. Like it was, you know, the baker with the candlestick and light, you know, so, and then they, <laughs> they turn off. And so we had to push the, you know, push that. And we've seen it too in, in the, in the romantic comedies. So if you know, they're getting together, then, you know, by act eight, then there's no need to come back for nine. So now it's crazy now, to me that you, you would, you would watch an entire thing and then go, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't need to watch. That's so strange. But if you think, you know, how it's ended in eight and then there's a there's a, a final reveal in mm-hmm. nine right is that what you guys are yes. going for now mm-hmm. and it's it's good it's good for people to think in terms of even if you're not doing a hallmark movie right um your third acts are so important and often people make the mistake of thinking that yes there's like we resolve it and then there's this happily ever after huge sequence and think about emotionally what people do you know they emotionally turn off that <laughs> turn off that tv even if they're stuck right. in a movie so having the okay we won the battle in that eighth sequence but we didn't win the war right in the ninth is is important for any movie think of think about it that way any movie you know we're we need even more in that third act we need to feel like a gut punch all the way to that last scene yeah yeah, because I think in some of the earlier movies, it used to be, you know, what happens after, like the ninth act was what happens after, like, oh, you're celebrating, you know, they're like celebrating, you know, with the wedding cake or whatever it is. And I think, you know, and sometimes we've had viewers say like, well, we want to know what happens after, but, you know, after the kiss. And it just, it just if you look at the numbers, it just doesn't make sense to, to show, to, to go further with that. Now, have you ever had a male lead? Um, we've done the, the Jesse Stone movies have, are part of Hallmark. So with Tom Selleck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, those are, those do, cause they used to run on CBS and then we, we ran them. So, um, it's a little darker. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, mm, we had one that was in development, but I don't think it's going, it's going forward. So right now it's really just female driven. Got it. Um, uh, what, what's, what kind of unexpected fans have you come across? Unexpected. Um, I just, I think it's, I think, you know, just when you meet people and you say Hallmark, it's just, you know, it's the Christmas movies. So I think that's, I think we would like for people to say like, oh, we know you have movies on other than Christmas. So uh-huh. I think that's really our, our uh, shared goal. Um, but I think it's just so nice when, you know, you just say, oh, I work at Hallmark and people immediately know and they say those movies make me feel good because I think there's so much, you know, so much going on that people don't get that. So what's your favorite? Out of all, out of the movies that, that you've done, are you allowed to vote? <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm allowed to vote, but um, but there's definitely some that stand out. There's one um, that's called it was uh, it was uh, I think they're doing a sequel. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but it's all of my heart. It was with Lacey Chabert. It's sort of like a share, you know, like the shared house. You know, uh, they both inherit a house and they have to like live, you know, figure out who you know who gets the house and fix it up. And I just thought it was really well done. It's very you know it's a very simple story, but I thought you know they have a goat on the farm, and I just thought that one was re- was really cute. I'm thinking now I should have thought about this question ahead of time but there's so many <laughs> I should have thought about asking you I actually really like I mean I think we've done a really good the Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries which have been our highest 
um, was the highest rated um, and really start were help, uh, crucial in starting the, the franchise with Candace Cameron Bure. Um, I think those have, are really good. I think they've gotten stronger and I think you know, it's hard coming because we also, you know, like you're incorporating love stories. So like, how do you, you know, and also we're not like, they're not moving in together. You know, you're keeping it very, so how do you progress these romances without progressing them the way you would on, on, you know, not this type of programming. So I think they've done, the writers have done a really good job about, about finding new ways in the last one, you know, his, um, his, uh, her love interest niece comes back and, you know, there brings her baby and then she's kidnapped. And so they're left with the baby. And so I think they've done a good job at, you know, at, like I said, doing the Nancy Drew for adult women. And with, uh, with so many Christmas movies, uh, have you, have you done sequels to any of your Christmas movies or any of your movies? Um, we're, st- we are working on a few in development. Mm-hmm. Um, the, ch- we have one that's on the schedule, um, for summer. Um, it's with Rachel Lee Cook. Um, and, the challenge becomes, like I said, progressing a relationship in a very PG way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't want to play them like it's a high school relationship. So how do you play it? And so I think that's been a little bit of the challenge. And then also one of the things is you want to keep it fresh. So it's like when you're approaching it from a new relationship, then there's a lot of things to cover. But then if it's just like you don't want it to be two people dating for an entire movie or bickering. So I think that's been the challenge. So I got really lucky and I, and I got Heather in my class. As people know that I'm always sort of lucking out with some of the people who take on the page classes and they turn out to be experts themselves and then I yank them onto a <laughs> podcast. And Heather ended up in my screenwriting class because you're also a screenwriter. Uh, you're, you've got an incredible voice. Um, what kind of movies on your own uh, do you gravitate toward? Um, well, I will say I'm sort of a closeted writer, so I mean, um, it's hard to, uh, to, you know, I kind of secretly take classes because people are like, when did you, when do you have time to write? You should be reading. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think, you know, I just honestly respond to female driven stories. I think it was interesting hearing Jessica Chastain at Cannes talk about women and movies and how they're being portrayed. And I think that's, you know, I've, I've heard people say like, you know, if it's a female driven story, like it can only live on Lifetime or Hallmark or, you know, or MTV, you know, as far as like, um, and my sister and I wrote a pilot a few years ago and it was two female leads set in a man's world. And we got some, you know, good responses from it, but then, you know, it was like, oh, well, people don't really do that. So, um, so it's a good sample, but like nobody wants to watch that. And I think, I don't think that's the case. And, I think I saw a great movie um, last night called Their Finest, um, who um, the director also did an education. And it's, you know, initially you're like, is this a love story? But it really is about a woman following her dreams. And I think, you know, those kind of stories need to be told. And, you know, even if you look at TV, it's it's a lot of, you know, and I love like, you know, Breaking Bad and Mad Men and, you know, but it's like to be a woman and to be complicated, you become unlikable. And that's also a note that, you know, and I hate myself when I give that note for stuff, but it's, I mean, for what we're doing, you have to like your character. But, you know, if you're a man and you're doing bad things, you don't have to be likable and you find a way to root for them or, you know, follow their journey. Then it's it's that guy's tough or that guy's cool. Right. But but if, you know, if if a woman's doing that. Yeah. I love, I love that you just nailed the word that I've been looking for for so long, complicated. Right. And, um, and that usually is what people mean when they say she's unlikable. Right. And, uh, and, and that's, gosh, that really is something that we keep pecking away at. 
Yeah. Well, I'm so the thing that I was working on in your class, it's about a woman um, who, you know, had this dream and had a child and didn't really want to be a mother and is now dealing with a child that has, you know, problems. And it's how do you, you know, and someone had read something I'd written about it and had said like, oh, well, you need to make sure she's likable, you know? So it's like, so it's, it's, I'm still trying to find that in the stories that I want to tell, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it, well, you know, that's one person's opinion, right? Right. <laughs> um, also, yeah, people can be complicated and still be somebody that we empathize with, you know, right. and I do think, you know, there's some TV that, that recognizes it and commits to it. Like I'm always bringing up Nurse Jackie on this show because I just feel like, man, that's a pretty un- unlikable, yeah. she's got some really unlikable qualities, and- but such skill that counters it that it starts it's complicated yeah. right. rather than just something that turns us off. And Glenn Close and damages. Right. Okay. Absolutely. And, you know, I think some of our favorite TV heroines, so we give everybody this note and then it's, yeah, but what about this, right. <laughs> this, wo- this iconic woman on TV that we've been watching, you know? Right. She's got all these shades of, of, of who she is. Um, and now you mentioned your sister. Now, um, uh, Heather Overton is the identical twin of Holly Overton. <gasps> and Holly Overton was on this show quite a while ago. Um, she wrote for Shadowhunters and Client List. And she, was, she also grave, gave great podcast. And, uh, and this, uh, this is... So, so you guys actually do write together from time to time. Well, you know, honestly, I haven't... Initially, I didn't really... I, you know, she's always like, oh, you, you're a writer, you just don't know it. And I think... Um, I think it, you know, it's a lot of the insecurities I think most writers struggle with, but I think, you know, working together, we have a really good time. And I think it's so funny. Like she probably gave me the best note that anyone's get when I give notes. Cause when I give, you know, I give notes to her and she'd say, don't give notes like an executive. Ah. <laughs> so I sent her something last week and she was like, you, I, she's like, I know you're busy, but you sound like an executive. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that like one of the things I think that I've learned the most from her and we've been, you know, I read everything that she writes, pilots, books, whatever before most people. Um, and I think just, knowing like being an identical one of a writer and you know you guys have worked you know live with writers so you know the craziness like just approaching writers with like type of respect that I think some executives don't and I always say it's like right monkey right like you know just get it done and you know and you could say like well is that the way you know making any movies but I think you know it's such a it's so and doing it myself I think it makes me a better executive because I know how much goes into it and I know it takes, what do they say? It takes just as much energy to write a bad movie as it does a good movie. And so we think it like working with Holly and seeing the process and seeing what she's gone through has really, really helped me like, you know, just, just be nicer. I have a really like, it has nothing to do with writing question. It's about being a twin. Okay. Um, (laughs) what's the biggest myth associated with being a twin? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I guess that just that we think alike, you know, Mm -hmm. that like, I don't know, that's, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that question. I'm fascinated. Of all the twin questions we've gotten. I'm I'm fascinated. And I think people write about twins a lot too, Um, you know, and. Because there's there's the good twin and the evil twin. That's true. So which one are you? I was considered the bad twin. Oh, Oh, really? I was, yeah. Heather, the evil twin. Yeah, maybe pretty even now, but in our younger days, maybe. Interesting. No, I have a, it's not a pitch, it's just. The question, have you had any twin movies on Hallmark? Huh. Uh, no, but we're actually working on, and I, I think I can, I, we've talented touch by it, I don't think I can say yet, but we're working on a Christmas movie with, uh, with, a twi- with twins. I would also uh, watch a movie about twin detectives, so uh, put that <laughs> in your pad. 
Write that down. Uh oh, there was just just a little <laughs> thought bubble above like, Heather's. How much work is it to have an actress play two two characters? And yeah. Well, maybe 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 there's, maybe there's, there's twins talented out there. Talented twins like you guys. It's, I think it's hard to find though, isn't it? Like, I don't know. Like, uh, and they can act. And they can act. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe go so. back to back to the acting. <laughs> go back. Go, go get, oh, those Olsen, get those Olsen. Get those Olsen twins <laughs> out of acting retirement. Oh. oh, there we go. We have a lot of the full Fuller House yes, cast you do. on our movies. Yes, That's, you do. Yeah. Pat, they're they're doing pretty well right now, though. I don't know if they need. A <laughs> and just a behind the scenes. Uh, Lori Lachlan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't date her. No, but <laughs> you why doesn't she age? What's I don't know, her honestly, trick? though. But look at John Stamos. I mean, he also <sighs> has that whatever. They must oh, have John just, Stamos. Yeah, those two. He, they don't those age. Those two look. No, it, you see her in person. She looks I just know, the same. I so know. It's John crazy. Stamos. It is insane. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that was good casting them, putting them together in <laughs> full house. <laughs> you can believe it then. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This is fun. Um, everybody should know that Heather actually took time out of her work day. She walked here from the office. Okay. Hallmark <laughs> is up the street she from, got her steps in. from the On the Page studio. Um, I know that there are a lot of people that are listening right now. They're like, how do I submit to Hallmark? I'm perfect for it. Um, you go through agents. You go through managers, right? Yes, yes. So we take pitches through agents and managers. Um, if you have a lawyer and uh, that acts as that, we'll also accept those. Um, yeah, we're always looking for great ideas. One thing I didn't mention too is that we do the Hallmark Hall of Fame movies. So those are in addition to it's like the part of the like there's the Hall of Fame tradition, and I think people that are a little older would remember like the ones that with the like really sad car commercials. So we're also we're doing those as well. So we're always looking for ideas for those. Okay. So right. it's a little bit more of a dramatic story. I don't know how you keep all this straight in your head. <laughs> My goodness. I have one more idea: a twin. Uh oh, here we go. A twin Christmas murder mystery. Murder mysteries with Christmas don't do that well. Put it all together. Right, because you know, nobody wants to get murdered on Christmas, the Pat. Death, the death of Santa. <laughs> <laughs> he was killed by twins. Twin, twin elves. Twin elves. That, that actually, maybe on Lifetime. That might work on Lifetime. Maybe that's so. a Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so enough, enough ideas from you. Done. Because none of them are good? No, no. They, they peaked. Okay. Um, uh, I want to remind everybody that if they would like to come and pitch their twin elf movie and actually write it down, um, go to onthepage.tv and check out what classes are happening here. So the rewrite class, it's a two-day rewrite class, July 8th and 9th. And uh, you will take your script through all kinds of different passes, but you can also come in with as little as an outline. Um, so I would love to see some of you guys there. Also, uh, once a month, we're doing a writing marathon here. The studio is open from 9 a.m. to midnight. Also, I'm doing um, in, let's see, in Brooklyn, New York, I will be at IFP, which is the Independent Film Project, doing um, uh, Beyond the Chick Flick, writing the female-driven script. And then uh, that weekend in New York State at the Omega Institute, which I love saying that because it, it's a really cool place, but it does sound like a place you'd be cloned. Doesn't it? <laughs> and it sounds like you should say of technology at the end so of the, it. No, the Omega, Omega Institute of Institute, Technology. Um, where uh, you can do yoga and take a two and a half day writing workshop with me. Um, and that is in lovely New York State uh, near Rhinebeck. Are you going to come back like a Stepford wife? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> you you <laughs> wish, man. Right. You wish. Well, have Somebody who actually like did everything that you said. Someone that listened to me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I would just love to see you guys uh, at some of these classes. Go to onthepage.tv. Um, for the Omega class in New York, go to the Omega Institute website. Uh, same thing for the IFP workshop. 
Thank you. And thank you. And um, Heather actually was gifted my class by Holly. Isn't that so cute? That is neat. That's like a it Hallmark movie. Present. Yes, I that know. Is good. <laughs> and what's the? Oh, oh wait, I've got a pitch. How about this? A writing class for Christmas. How about that? <laughs> no. Nope. No. What is the? What's the on the slate? What's the next? Uh, movie we should be looking for on the Hallmark Channel. Um, I'm actually I'm really excited about this one. It's uh, it's called um, The Sweetest Christmas. Um, it's about uh, it's with Lacey Chabert and this great actor named Lee Coco, who's a th- who I saw in a play and is now going to be in our Hallmark movie. Um, and he's also on um, he's going to be he's on Queen Sugar right now. Um, so I'm excited about that one. I think mm, it's excellent. we start production in uh, two weeks. Cool. Excellent. And um, and people just go to Hallmark Channel. HallmarkChannels.com and it'll take you to Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. And yes. Thank you so much. Right. You have been so lovely on this show, and I Thank can't you. wait to take. We have to take a picture. Yes. Okay. No, we are not going to substitute Holly's picture, as you <laughs> as you mentioned at the beginning. We're going to take Heather's picture. I'm going to if Holly's Photoshop. is better, you can substitute. <laughs> I'm going to actually take Holly's head and Photoshop it on your body. Am mine. So we look like we have uh, still still here. so hoping to change me up. <laughs> Um, I want to thank Pat for for uh, producing the show. I did a lot of work today. Uh, tell everybody uh, about the Rock Solid podcast and where they can find you. Rock Solid podcast drops every Thursday. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it at art19.com. It's a comedy music podcast if you like to listen to music and hear people cracking wise. That's the place to go. Uh, just think about when you would sit around in your bedroom in high school and you'd be listening to albums with your friends. That's kind of the vibe we try to have with the show. That's, that, that actually so, is true. We are, Except uh, that these are grown people. These are grown people. <laughs> uh, and you can, you, can find, uh, you can find us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter at rocksolidshow.com. Or not, on Twitter at rocksolidshow. Excellent. Not dot com. Thanks, Again, to Heather, thank you to Pat, and thanks to everybody for listening. Have a good writing week. 